Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of our series of podcasts that we're going to be doing on information security, covering both the information security testing um, as well as the consulting side of of uh, remediating the, the you know the findings. So uh, we'll we'll be doing this as a regular podcast. We'll have a number of um, team members attending. Uh, today we've got uh, Rob Lynn. Marco Ruella from our penetration testing team, as well as Raymond Duplessis from our consulting team. Um, very interesting days these in, in month four uh, of lockdown. Uh, you know, COVID-19 hits hit businesses very hard. Uh, and, and one of the ways that, that we've seen businesses need to rethink what they're doing is, is, is the risks that they're exposed to. Uh, you know, that's the lens that we look at the world through. Um, and our security testing has been very innovative in terms of some of the new services they've uh, brought to the table. And, and one of those is around having a look at the, the, the security around home networks. Um, you know, in, in the past or kind of up until March, a, a lot of security was oriented around the, the corporate network and, and the controls within the corporate network or at the perimeter of the corporate network. Um, but now with people working from home, um, obviously there's, there's uh, home networks that are being utilized to, to conduct work. Sometimes home machines that are being used to 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 conduct work, and that's uh, added a, a whole new list of risks that that hadn't even been considered before. Uh, you know, outside of your your, your BYOD type um, uh, risks. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hand over to Rob, who's just gonna talk about the the home network security assessment that that him and his team have put together. Um, how they go about uh, approaching um, uh, an assessment of this nature and kind of what some of the interesting findings that they've had uh, to date. Rob? Thanks, Pat. Um, so exactly, you know, looking at things like attackers, which is, which is what we do, uh, we took the current scenario into context with everybody sitting at home uh, without the protections and the the fancy equipment of the corporate office and thought, how would we, you know, attack individuals of an organization in this scenario? And one of the first ways we would do that is really just having a look what they're running. You know, what type of computers are they running? Are they using their corporate machines? Are they being a little naughty and maybe using, you know, some home computer to connect to corporate um, information and corporate systems with so in order to assess the scenario and see what people are up to, we thought we'd create a little home assessment, um, in which case we set up a little website that, that does some interrogation on one's browser when you connect to it. So we can see what type of operating system you're using. We can see what browser, if you're using an old browser, if there's any plugins that are perhaps old and outdated because some of the plugins like Java or Flash have known vulnerabilities with them. So by setting up the little website and having the capability to interrogate what you're running, we can see if there's any vulnerabilities that could be exploited by setting up a malicious website. And at the same time, we can see your IP address at home. You know, we know what your home IP address is. And with that, you can scan that IP address and see if you're you know, running any, if you've got a, an old modem and if that modem is vulnerable to any attacks. 
and perhaps that modem is set up with the default credentials. So it's information that's out there. Anyone on the internet could really find this out about you and your employees with a bit of effort and a bit of targeting. And for some of the assessments that we ran, we ran it at quite a few clients. It was incredible the amount of stuff we found. So people were most definitely using computers that were not corporate issue. There were browsers running incredibly old versions. There, there were old plugins, uh, plugins that, you know, should that user have visited a malicious website, they may have well had their machine compromised by visiting that site. And there were people sitting at home with, with modems that were outdated, with admin passwords that were admin logins to them, to their modem, um, that could have been accessed on the internet. And although these might sound innocuous, actually that type of access could lead to corporate access. Once you have access to someone's machine and they're connecting to corporate resources, it's certainly plausible for that lateral movement to allow one to connect to corporate resources through this compromised individual. So it was really interesting. And, yeah, we found lots of lots of unearthed surprises that I think most companies didn't realize were out there. So, Rob, I mean, if your financial director is, you know, sitting at his house uh, processing payroll or, or something like that, what you're saying is that if someone had access to their network, which which is, uh, you know, in your findings, far probably far easier to get access to their home network than their corporate network, um, you know, someone could intercept that traffic or or um, there's there's privacy concerns, I suppose. There's also kind of um, malicious transactions that could that could be posted. I mean, would would those? I mean, how much of a stretch of imagination would that be from from your findings? I mean, how difficult would it be in, in some of the kind of worst case scenarios? Yeah, I mean, it all depends. It all depends on the on the attacker and how targeted, how determined they are. Um, I mean, to give you a good example, if I if I'm able to log into your, you know, your Wi-Fi router from, you know, on the internet, I can then most likely see what your Wi-Fi password is. And if I know who you are and you're you know, a financial director at a very well-known corporate entity, I could potentially find out where you live. And I could park outside your house. It sounds creepy, but I could. And I could then connect to your wireless network. And now I'm on the same network as you you know, using your corporate machine. And if you're not connected to a VPN, that traffic, you know, it's possible to intercept that traffic. It's possible to meddle with it. You know, if that user has a, a browser that's outdated or a plugin that's, that's vulnerable, just by visiting a website alone, that machine could be compromised, giving an attacker access to the device itself. So it all depends on the, on the skill of the attacker and the determination. Yeah. So I suppose, I suppose that's where the assessment is beneficial is that it, it gives the organization a view of what those uh, vulnerabilities might be. Um, and then they can obviously address, address those, um, as needed. You know, it's just kind of how long is a piece of string, I suppose, as normal with these sort of things. Um, but you know, if there, if there are one or two things that you could, um, suggest, uh, that, that everyone working from home kind of does have a look at it, you know, based on your findings and based on your knowledge of, of, 
of uh, networking and, and machines uh, and browsers. Um, you know, what are what are a couple of the tips that you that you would uh, offer out to to people to kind of uh, you know after they finish listening to this to go check out for themselves. So definitely make sure that their browsers are running the latest versions um, make sure all the plugins are updated as well. And it's very repetitive, but make sure your, your, your actual device, your Wi-Fi router, your modem, make sure you change the default password. Make sure it's not admin, admin. And if you can, depending on your technical capability, turn off the functionality where the admin console is available to the Internet. Turn that off if it's on. Yeah, and I suppose that that's device dependent. So the Google yep. is your friend when it comes to that. Um, I think one of my moments, uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably the furthest from being a, a hacker uh, that you could imagine, but uh, it does intrigue me. And, and I was staying at a guest house at one time, and, and uh, you know, the, 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 the person wasn't at the front desk, um, and I found the Wi-Fi router and kind of managed to log in with the you know, the credentials that are printed uh, at the bottom of the router. <laughs> so the admin, admin, and then you can find the IP address and uh, you, you log in. It's quite, a, it's quite a thrill. So I know the sort of, well, I can only imagine the sort of thrill you guys get uh, when, when you're able to kind of achieve these sort of breaches. But, um, you know, uh, kind of that was my sort of little story about, you know, changing your, your home network uh, uh, credentials um, is, is, is a... Is a a very simple one that, that everyone should have done. I suppose it's the first thing that you would check. All right. Um, thanks for that, Rob. Um, sure. Marco, some of the testing that uh, that you've been doing, I think, has, has been quite interesting because, you know, you've been, you've been on a, a number of different engagements recently, but I think that there's been a certain trend around um, – Third-party applications on on the network and and maybe some of the vulnerabilities that exist within those um, and and how that can um, ex expose you know the client. So so you know just to just to be clear, uh, our client might be uh, you know insurance company X, um, but when we're doing the work for them, we've we've noted a number of third-party applications running on their network and were able to, um, you know, bypass the security controls of those, thus exposing the insurance company's network. Um, am I am I right in that sort of in that sort of understanding in terms of in terms of some of your findings? Uh, yeah. So this is something that I've seen over the last six months, I'd say, and it's not even just sort of internal internally. It's also externally. So what we are finding is that. When we're doing an external penetration test for a, for a customer or for a client, you'll find that there is some sneaky server sitting somewhere running some third-party application that was probably designed by some uh, some dev company, and it's sitting there, and it falls under this sort of like weird gray area where the client is under the assumption that the third party is looking after it, updating it, has done testing on it and what have you. And then perhaps the third party is under the assumption that the clients can do their own testing. So we come across these things because it's part of the client's external estate. We obviously test it and we pretty much kick the front door down. And yeah, that, that has proven to be quite an interesting pivot point into companies, uh, these third party sort of, uh, applications that are out there. And another interesting one that, that we found recently was um, a customer running some open source software, some sort of like a CRM system, 
So we were able to download it because most of the security was, was quite solid and secure. We were able to download this um, open source software, find a couple of zero days and use that as a pivoting point into the into the client's network. So yeah, this, this whole third party um, applications or services that are out there, I think it's a bit of a gray area that you know, people do need to consider. I think on the it's interesting that that you found that from a from a, a testing perspective because I think you know from our consulting side of things I, I am aware that third party risk management is, is quite a big focus area and so that's that's almost looking at it from the in this case insurance company X knows that there's a number of third parties that they entrust um, and to for them to start getting a view of, of what those controls that those third parties might be applying, um, what they are. But, you know, the, you know having said that, it, it's, it's very early days in, in this whole third-party risk management uh, maturity. Um, and so, you know, the, the controls that are being looked at are, are still organizational controls. Um, you know, I, I do know that uh, from the other part of our business that, that does have uh, software as a service um, that, that we put in place at, at um, uh, at corporate clients, there is far more of a scrutiny up front to to have a look at the security um, of particularly SaaS uh, type um, solutions and, and other technologies. But you know the stuff that was there <laughs> more than six to twelve months ago, no one's kind of really looking at it. And you know corporate uh, networks and estates are, are so massive that you know. Um, I think in, in one of the upcoming um, episodes, what I'd like to look at is kind of how to go about stratifying what should be tested. Because I think, Marco, what, what you're pointing out there is, is maybe a gray area in terms of accountability. Everyone's expecting someone else to be looking at the, the security um, and, and as a result, you know, exposing the, the whole network. Yeah, that's it. And we also know that there's a lot of uh, quote-unquote uh, pen testing companies out there that will run a Nessus scan against the targets and then give the clients a, hey, all's good, thumbs up. And then we'll come in six months later and we'll find heaps of things that are wrong with this because we actually do go through the process of manually testing things. So um, it's also, I guess, a bit of trust between these third parties and the, the client that they're offering these services or systems to. Um, and it's always good to have an independent sort of uh, provider come in and have a look and see what's what under the hood. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, they, the um, that that analysis of those of those applications and um, you know let's call it proper security testing of those um, is is crucial. Uh, another another exercise that I'm busy with is, is to have a look at. Um, the Verizon breach report, and just to to try to determine, you know, the the kind of the publicly available breaches that that we are aware of. I would uh, kind of put it out there and argue that you know it's, it's probably 60 to 70 percent that are not because of the the organisation that was uh, breached or that was recognised as being breached, but but due to a third party, uh, either a service provider or an application or something that that's out there that was. Um, you know, that led to that sort of breach. It's not necessarily that the, the breached organization's configuration of their network or, or their perimeter or anything like that. Sometimes it might very well be those, those applications that, you, that you're talking about. And it's very interesting that there's a, there's a trend uh, between, you know, your sort of findings and, and maybe the, the awareness in the market that 
this third party risk management is something that needs to be uh, looked at more closely. Um, you know, we, we've one of one, one of our clients on the on the consultant side of things. Um, you know, we we run third party risk management um, assessments for them, um, but it, you know, it, it's it's so difficult to get down to kind of that level of granularity where you can you can give that you know that stamp that yes everything is is uh, as it should be because you, you you're starting with the, the corporate controls, um, so. Yeah, uh, I think a lot more sort of analysis and and, um, and assessment is is needed in order to kind of give our clients the the level of assurance that they that they needed that they are needing. Right. Um, I think that's I think that's it for today. Um, thank you very much for listening.